right, welcome to the show. I'm David Hall, the host of uh, the podcast here this morning, along with uh, the guy who's been the host for a while, Mr. Chris Pizzoli. I heard you've been taking over in here. No, no, I just ride the sidecar. Is that what you do? <laughs> yeah. Are you yeah. the co-pilot? Just in the sidecar. I heard you try to take over. No. We got a special guest with us this week, Kim Nagy from Keller Williams. So good to have you here. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be a great show, and we're going to dig into uh, you know sort of your business and how you got to where you are and your thoughts on the market, which I think people will find interesting. So it's going to be an exciting show, and I, I see you brought a friend in here today. Is that right? <laughs> My sidekick. Is this your sidekick? You want to give her the introduction? You want to do the introduction? <laughs> My great sidekick, Nicole Alloy. Love Hello. her to death. So good to have you. Is this your first sh- show, this is Nicole? My second. second. Second show. Okay, oh, so you're so a grizzled vet. Me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Sounds like you just crash it. You know, that's no invitation I'm required. Dancer. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, here we are in June. Summer's starting to get going in Michigan. And, uh, you know, it seems like that the spring buying season has been very busy. I wanted to kind of get your take on that. Is what you saw sort of March, April, May, and what we're seeing as we move into the summertime here in Michigan, just overall the market and just any of your thoughts about it generally, you're the expert. Well, thank you. Yes, the market's been amazing this year. We've had um, a very, very strong seller's market, and interest rates are at an all-time low, as you realize. So under 4%, who would have guessed that, that we'd be here this year? So our sellers are very blessed on the market being so strong for them. Multiple offers, anywhere from three, five, up to ten offers per listing, which is great. So yeah, seller's dream. Yeah, right. And so it's still that way right now? I mean, just for folks that have been on the fence, thinking about selling, you still feel like it's a pretty strong seller's market? Oh, if you're on the fence right now and even debating, now's the time to sell. Interest rates are low. Housing prices are up at an all-time high as well, so that was a great time to do that. Yeah, <coughs> great. If you're a buyer, I mean, that feels intimidating. You know, if I'm, like, thinking I want to go out and buy a house right now, it's just like, my God, you know, I'm going to be in this crazy bidding war, fierce yeah. competition. Like, how do you – like, what do you do? How do you help people with that? Well, it's all – you really have to look at who you're going to hire. Who you hire truly matters. So if you hire an agent that really knows her job and how to get your offer presented, I mean, I'd rather be buying right now with interest rates being so low and getting great inventory out there. Some of these homes are amazing. Sellers have lived there, loved on it, and put a ton of money into it. So why not buy right now? Interest rates are very low. Your house payment will be lower than what you're looking at right now. And if you work with an agent that knows how to structure the offer and get it presented properly, you'll get the house. Yeah, the, hmm. the definitely, I mean, yeah. definitely the, you know, pre-approvals that we have, you know, um, I think that it's been a pretty steady flow of housing offers being accepted where we've seen in the past, right. you know, a lot of frustration with buyers mm-hmm. that can't get a house. So it's, 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 it's an interesting time for sure. And it feels a little more balanced than it was in the past. But to your point, you know, we, we do have, buyers that um you know are they they get frustrated when they make you know offers on multiple properties and Mm -hmm. they can't get them but to your point how it gets presented and some of the other things that matter in terms of how that whole negotiation i don't know if you want to maybe just get into that a little bit a lot of our listeners maybe don't know what that means just in terms of how it gets presented or any of the other little tricks that people should be thinking about about getting the right realtor on board which is as you and i both know very important Oh, absolutely. Like working with you has been great because you have a great pre-approval system. And I love that you guys follow up with the agents. So we have a seven-step 
how to get your offer accepted. So mm. some of the steps that we do. We you might want to write this yeah. down, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> writing it down. Yeah, so Jess has got it. Seven steps that we do that we offer to our buyers are, one, you can offer the seller free rent. So that means okay. basically you can present your offer that if the seller after closing needs time, it's free rent. So it could be anywhere from 30 days to 60 days. It's one of the options we do. We do appraisal variance. Mm. So if the offer does not come in or purchase price does not come in at value, they can waive it anywhere from five, ten, twenty-five thousand dollars, depending on how much the buyer wants it. So that's a couple of the other options we have, and then um, our biggest one will be doing a love letter. Why do you love the house? Right. How do you find that those? I mean, like, I, I gotta admit, I mean, I know they've worked, and I've heard a, a million stories about them working. There's got to be sellers that don't care about that as well, right? But that seems like it, it works more often than I would think it would, just myself, you know, the, the whole love letter thing. Well, you are, you know, kind of heartless. Like Am I? Does, yeah, that's, that's why it doesn't, that that's my why reputation? It doesn't, it doesn't resonate with you. I've been because, working so you know, hard on improving my reputation, come to find out it's not working. Right. Gosh, thanks for jumping in there, Chris. Back to you, Kim. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Uh, that's so funny. There'll be at I least two it. of those during yeah. the show. Don't that's worry. He and I have known each other for over 20 years. So, Well, believe it or not, we do have some sellers that are heartless, but we have some that, that just really tugs on their heart. And depending if you live there for 20 years, that's important to you. Yeah. yeah and really. I actually had a seller really, really debating on it, and it was like a $5,000 difference. And I'm the heartless one here going, wait, that's $5,000. That's, to, you know, for you, that's $5,000 more money. So. Right. Um, depending upon the seller, that's really, really important to them. Yeah. So is it ti- are typically, I'm just curious about, you know, what people typically will put in a letter being heartless. Um, is <laughs> right. it is it something typically about how we love the neighborhood, we want to raise our family in your home, and you've been there for 20 years, and we see ourselves there for 20 years? I mean, is that, is that kind of how it goes to somebody? I mean, I know they're all yeah. individualized. but Great question. No, we always have them determine what makes the house what they want. Is it the neighborhood? Is it the front porch? Um, the best one that we had written was about sitting on the front porch on the swing that her parents had. And the clients wrote that letter, and the seller's like, that's it. You had me at hello. Like, wow. <laughs> that was it. Stopped at the front yep. porch swing, and they're like, I loved hearing that. That's cool. Wow. Can, I, can I ask a question about the sellers? Yeah. So do you think right now in this market the sellers are realistic about the price point that they're listing their house for or are they saying oh look all these houses are going over asking and they're overpricing their homes great great question so we have some sellers that are really realistic and we have some sellers that keep pushing the market so you'll be able to tell what sellers are pushing the market by price changes so if you're starting to see a price Uh, change within the first week they push the market too high (laughs) so we really educate them on price points what i find so fascinating about that and you guys both know more about this than I do, is that it feels to me, and I think that this happens less than it used to, although I'm sure it probably happens, is that a way that a realtor can come in and get listings is by telling the seller they can get more for the house than they really can, and then later doing a price reduction, right? That's no secret that people do that. And so it seems to me like you know a a strong real estate agent like yourself, Kim, tells sort of the homeowner not necessarily what they want to hear but what they need to know and if they're if they're willing to accept that and get on the program then you've got you know probably a leg up on the competition but some sellers have just decided no my house isn't worth 380 i think i can get 420 and you might tell them <laughs> no you can't right i mean that's a big part of the whole game isn't Sometimes it it's better be the second agent in right oh, absolutely oh, yeah. we see that 
Nine times out of ten, you're better off being the second agent than the first one. But we we're on appointment the other day. Now, when day. you say second, just for our oh. listeners, you second to kind of consult before the listing or after it's already been listed. Either one. Yeah. But ma- mainly after, if they're going to overprice it by 40000 and an agent comes in and says, oh, yeah, 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 you can get that. Right. And then it sits, and then it sits, and then it gets stale. Mm. And then people start to say, oh, maybe I can really get it for cheap because it's been on the market for so long. Right. So then that seller gets upset because the agent actually listened to them. Okay, yeah, yep. we'll price it high. They fire them, and then the next agent in will price it yeah. where it should be. Hmm. Are agents still gaining business by th- as a tactic that way, or is that not happening that much? Meaning, so let's say I'm making this up. Chris and I are both agents. Chris goes in and tells the client, you know, I think you can get 375 for this house, and I think we can sell it quick. And I said, you know, forget about it, Chris. We can get four and a quarter for this house. <laughs> no problem. Why not of course a million while you're at it? Right, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, of course the seller's going to want to hear that, and if they think I'm credible and I'm telling them that, is that – does that happen a lot in the business, or does it not happen as much as I would think? Oh, it happens a lot. There's a couple agents out there that are really known for that. And Should we mention them on the podcast? No. <laughs> no. That was just a the hardest person. person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So let's talk about him. John Smith. All right. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, there are a few agents out there that like to um, price it. They'll buy right. it. We call it buying a listing. So right. they'll buy the mm. listing. So. Yeah. Well, what about the opposite approach? Because it seems like this is sort of happening a little bit, too, where you take the opposite approach of, like, almost under-listing mm-hmm. it, knowing that you're going to create sort of this fury and, you know, hope that the there becomes a bidding war and you end up getting more for it in the long run. Is that, like, a tactic that's... It is, but you don't want to really underprice it. We've right. seen it a couple of times, and then that's... Yeah, it sounds risky. It's very risky because you're running into multiple situations. I feel that if you really underprice it, it's really hard to do service to your seller because then you have over 100 people in your house do you right. want 100 people in your house no that's your home so you got to yeah, price it true. realistically and if you price it realistically you'll still get over asking <laughs> yeah it's good yeah i mean there's a lot of a lot of ways to do it all right so um kim i just want to get into your story a little bit just uh as a big agent who does a lot of business and basically everybody in metro detroit knows who you are just want to talk a little bit about your beginnings in the real estate business and how you got going because i think it's always you know, if people know, um, you know, Kim Nagy in terms of, you know, big agent, got a lot of business, got a team, you know, all that, there's a beginning to all that. And I'm just curious about that beginning. And I think our listeners would find that interesting is how'd you start? Like, tell us about maybe your first deal. You know, I mean, I know my first deal in the mortgage business, I kind of screwed it up. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm just curious, like how, how your overall, like your beginnings in the business went. Wow, gosh. My beginning started 25 years ago. So I've been selling for a long time. Yeah. And actually, it started when I was about eight years old. My parents were um, <laughs> buying and selling. There's got to be some kind yes. of labor law. Yeah, there was a labor law. My dad. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he got me into real estate because they were buying and selling real estate at that time. And I sat home and I would tell him about the open houses or homes that were for sale and on Saturdays and Sundays. And then my dad's like, great, you're going to type up the purchase agreements and Really? Doing that, yeah. Wow. Like a child prodigy. (laughs) The Tiger Woods of real estate, (laughs) you know? Yeah, exactly. That's really something. (laughs) So I have to thank my dad for that one. Yeah. And um, just got into it naturally and just started from there. Yeah. So then you just always knew that's what you were going to do. I love people, love homes. Hmm. So more importantly, it's that's the fun part, watching someone find their dream home. So as a as a as an early agent when you were first starting twenty five years ago or you know whenever you really started, like were you 
just trying to get I mean it's different when you're you've been around for a while versus when you start when you start you're trying to get any deal you can right you're trying to find anybody I mean I know that wants to go and look at a house whereas you're probably a little more choosy as you get older of who you work with to some degree I mean how, how did that all like start for you I mean did were you doing a lot of listings were you doing a lot of buy side was it or was it just whatever you could get at the time Oh my gosh, if I could go back and do my job all over again, my career all over again, it would be totally different. <laughs> so yes, it was just whatever you could do at that point in time, buyers, listings, open houses. Um, so yes, it's nice to coach and train, which we've now grown into a company now that we have buyers, agents, and team members for us. Yeah. So it's easier to coach and train them on how to do it properly and learn from my lessons. So that is uh, what we do right now. So we really like to concentrate on finding the right buyers and the right listings that we like to work together. Yeah. And then how did you go from, you know, sort of one man, one woman show to, you know, starting to want to have a team? Like, how did that all go come about? And how long ago was that? That happened about 10 years ago. Okay. And just getting too busy. You yeah. can only do so much with your time. And then you realize, I don't really like doing paperwork. <laughs> and I don't like being at the office at 2 o'clock in the morning. There, there's mm -hmm. other things to be doing. So at that point in time, I started hiring more people to do the things I don't like to do. Right. <laughs> or do better, more importantly. Right. Yeah. And do you so like paperwork? No. So no. We, I'm not <laughs> a big paperwork We hire paperwork guy. people that <laughs> dot the I's and cross the T's for us. Yeah. Well, and I think to your point, you know, I feel like, you know, I think we feel like we have certain strengths, and then you got to hire people that have strengths that aren't your strengths, right? Yes. So that's, like, kind of the key to – becoming good you know what chris and i shared same one of the same mentors growing up in the yeah. business and uh he would always say you know focus on your strengths mm -hmm. and, and have other people focus on their strengths and as a young guy personally for me i was always focused on my own weaknesses or other people's weaknesses which is kind of foolish <laughs> you know in comparison to well, what does this person do well let's put them in a position to succeed yeah. which no that's i thought exactly was always right. good advice that we got sounds like that that's what you're doing as well oh that's great advice yeah. Absolutely. Focus on what you're good at. So you so you build you started the team ten years ago, and so now you know here you are with a focus on you got a, you got a team and a focus on. I I mean I see a lot of you in the Royal Oak area specifically, mm -hmm. but I know that your span is even bigger than that. Tell us about like what areas you're focused on and why and how you've kind of come about to be in the areas that you're in, although I know you you serve multiple areas as well. Oh, definitely. We definitely service the Tri-County area, but we really focus the Woodward Corridor. So we believe in love where you live, and we basically go up and down the Woodward Corridor, so basically from Detroit up to Bloomfield, back and forth. So, hmm. And we believe in giving back where we live, so we're big on giving back to Blessings in the Backpack, supporting the locker or local soccer team, so... That's why we do what we do locally to give back. Interesting. So yeah. d tell us about that. What tell, tell me about the, the initiatives, the, the backpack and such. So Blessings in the Backpack is a huge thing for Royal Oak. There's over 1,000 families that qualify for it, surprisingly, in Royal Oak. 1,400. 1,400? I was wrong. Okay. Over 1,000. Over 1,000. Over 1,000, but 1,400. Right. And <laughs> so they need over $25,000 a year to keep that going to feed kids on the weekend they're unable to have food at their house. Wow. So wow. every so Wednesday? Pack, yeah, they, yeah. Pack a, they pack a backpack on Wednesdays. They send three meals home. If you have three kids in the school system and you're on three reduced lunches, you get three backpacks to take home with six meals in it for the weekend. That's great. Wow, yeah. that is great. Yeah. Hmm. 
So, so you, you hear that? That tugs at your heart, right? Yeah. Even if you're heartless. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, even I'm into bit. that. Just yeah, no, I love bit. that. Just, just a little, little tug. We well, then maybe you'll give me a check day so I can help donate to <laughs> yeah, that one. So. It only costs $100 to feed one child for the entire, entire year. year. Yep. Wow, that's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. And so you, you're involved in that, the whole team, and, and mm-hmm. you guys are, are focused on charitable stuff as well as selling houses. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, just in terms of, a little bit more the background on you because I think people just I think whenever somebody's successful people find the things that they've done to get there interesting you know and and so I think in terms of your success I'm just curious like what you know you felt like along the way were keys in you becoming successful so you know some people might say well it's the relationships I've built or it's you know the fact that I was working all these hours of the day or whatever it is but I just always think it's good to get a window view into why is somebody become successful like what do you think are your keys to success with all the you know millions of business that you're closing every year great question I think it's just giving back to the people and hearing what they really need and want so if you listen to them and help support what their dreams are or their dream houses and you help them they'll give back to you so n- no just, yeah no, it's really not that magical <laughs> just listening <laughs> well but i know you're a hard worker yeah. your reputation well, you is that work, you yes. work hard it's, yeah well what you promise you must deliver and then some so that's really important so nicole you probably have some more insight I as do. to that yeah she's been very shy here yeah she is one of the kindest people that i know and when she says she gives back she truly does and she is there for her seller she's there for her buyer she has people to help her but Kim stays in her business, which I think is really, really important and keeps her, her finger on the pulse and right. makes sure that all of her uh, her sellers and buyers are truly taken care of. And she does more work than she needs to do. <laughs> she needs a break. Um, but she she works for her client big time. Yeah. You know, Chris and I love the sort of the wild real estate stories, you know, whether it be some <laughs> crazy you know, basement somebody walked into and there was a bear down there or right, something right. like that. I don't know if you have any crazy, you know, real estate stories where you show up and there's snakes Emily in the basement. The door completely naked. naked. I've had that. I'm happen. sorry. She naked. answered the door completely naked. Yeah. I, was, I was probably in the business for six months. I'm Wait, like, you not? Let me hold on. Let's get the setting right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You approach a door. You knock on client. the door with your with client. My male client. Oh, male client. So they're there for like a, a showing. Showing. Yeah, showing. Knock. Was it Kim's showing? No. It was <laughs> <laughs> Thought it might be Kim's client. Knock on the door. Yes. Lady opens the door. Oh, completely you're naked. Five minutes early. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. We'll wait right here. Yeah. Hmm. Go ahead and get dressed. That's pretty good. But she That's puts on a robe and she stays there. Well, of course. Reads the, the paper. I mean, at that point, yeah, you might as well just play. Yeah, it you've out. already gotten familiar. Yeah, you right. know what I mean. Wow. No reason not to. That's something you else. You have me tapped on that one. I had someone walk across naked on the stairwell, but never like answer the door naked. Completely hmm. naked. Nothing. No, no. It's really something wow. else. <laughs> okay. My like craziest that. was uh, no one told us that there was a snake in the house and there was a room with a board at the door. And there was a probably like a ten foot snake in the house. Out? It, it, well, in, in a room. It was in a, it was in a room. Yeah. It had its own private room with snake like a had board. Its own room. It with a board across it so you could look in and see the snake. And needless to say, I think I was out of the house in two point two seconds. Yeah. Just a board? That a was board. what was keeping the snake in that room? Yeah. Just this one Just little a board, board. Little board. Hmm. Oh, by the way, no notice, like, hey, there's a friendly snake in the house. Right. Oh, a ten foot snake. Yeah. That was in Clausen. Wow. So is this the busiest year that you've, I mean, every year I think if, if people 
are building their business. It's a lot of times it's their busiest year. But how do you rate this year so far, 2019, in the market? Because last year was great. I mean, it was a busy year. I mean, overall, how do you rate this year just comparatively so far in terms of your busyness and real estate in general and sort of how you view it? How do you quantify that? This year is absolutely insane. Okay. Um, the problem is there's not enough homes on the market. So if you're absolutely thinking about selling, now is the time. So call us today. Um, <laughs> the problem is there are definitely not enough homes on the market. Inventory. No inventory. Yeah. Hmm. And that no seems inventory. to be the case not it's just in Michigan but nationwide. I mean, yeah. I've known – I know from other parts of the country that inventory is a real problem, which always seems sort of baffling to me because there's, you know, such a – I mean, it, it's not – a secret in the news that you know home values are at all-time highs and so if you've had this sort of thought process that we want to downsize or buy bigger i mean i guess the problem is you know where am i going to go if i do want to sell although there's there's opportunity but you know without some life event people typically don't want to go through the hassle necessarily of moving just to get top dollar for their house especially if they're going to maybe pay top dollar for another house i mean how do you have those conversations well, that's a great question on that part. Well, if you're looking at buying right now and you don't have a life event, a lot of them actually are thinking about changing to switch up their situation. I actually had a lady in Birmingham, 70 years old, go to tell you you never know what your buyers are going to do or sellers. <laughs> they lived in a cute little house up on the hill, and they sold that house, 1920s, moved down to Detroit into a loft. Wow. Sold wow. everything. And went to West Big Elm. lifestyle yeah, change. Yeah. Went to West Elm, decorated the house, and they moved into a loft. They love hmm. living downtown. So that's not like a really life change. She just wanted a different lifestyle. Right. So it depends what you're looking at right now. And you want to make a life change, whether your kids are out of the house or you just wake up one day and you want to change your life. People are doing that right now. Yeah. And it's yeah. a great time to do it. Interest rate's under four. Yeah. She's doing the promos for us. I know. I know. Come on. I'm keeping it up for you. I like that. Can I say one thing about Kim? Yeah, yeah. So Kim, is a su she's a really, really hard worker. She pounds the phones. She returns phone calls. Um, she really is very knowledgeable about the market that she works in. And um, there, a lot of agents expect things to come to them when they're in the business for so long. Kim never expects anything. She really works hard for it, and she trains her team to do the same thing. And... Um, so I just want to say that about you. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another question I had for you. So, you know, I know that similar to you, over 20 years ago, I got into the business and tried to work hard and, and do some good things. And, you know, what do you see as the biggest difference between agents entering the business today versus years ago? Because this is when we get to put our hat on and say, back in our day, <laughs> everybody was a hard worker and right. nobody was entitled and, you know, all that kind of thing. But do you notice a, a difference between newer agents today versus when you started and just how they think about is this, That's this really thing? great. Yeah. Okay. So today it's This is going to allow her to tee off. This yes, is the tee yes, off portion with Kim Nagy. <laughs> right. This is going to tee me off right now. Um, it's funny. I just did a post today because we're hiring, but – what I'm looking for is agents that want to come in and actually work. Some of the agents feel like they show up, they should be immediately making hundred grand a year, and <laughs> it's of course they should. Like they showed up. Why not? We're here. Let's make it. Like why can I not make hundred grand? Well, you have to get in front of people. You have to get on the phones. You have to go out to lunches. Like you have to be willing to work, and they expect it immediately. Yeah. And when I say immediately, it's not. I tell all my agents, this is a marathon. You're not doing a 5K race. 
It's good. Yeah. It's good advice. So if you're in it for the long haul, you'll make the money. Right. Well, and you can't look at people as money. You have to look at them as a client. Yeah. And when you look at people as clients, right. guess what will come back to you? More clients. Which so means more money. Yep. Yeah. When, the, when the market's great, like it is right now, agents think it's easy. Oh, look at these agents making all of this money. Right. We work hard for our money. Oh. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy. And it's a process. And if you right. think it's easy... I think you're, people you're never, wrong. I think there's still like, you know, there's a glamorous, you know, facade out there. Oh, what, HGTV? What's it? Exactly. Million dollar yes, listings? exactly, on, exactly, exactly. You know, they don't show you, you know, cleaning the kitchen floor or scrubbing the grout or pulling weeds or whatever the stuff you, is that, you know, needs to be done. Yeah. So. Or the fact you only have so many hours in a day to fit in so many people. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. that's that's a whole different <laughs> problem, right? <laughs> Well, what's interesting, I think, about, you know, w what you're speaking of is for me today, and you probably maybe, I don't know, feel the same or s similar, but when I'm interviewing somebody now, I feel like I have to create an expectation that is absolutely at the bottom of the barrel to see if they really want to do it. Because I feel, to your point, everybody just wants to come in and show up and, you know, just, and that's probably, I think part of that is the aging process for me. You know, I feel like, well, when I started... I kind of understood how it worked, and now I feel like I'm not relating as well maybe to younger people in terms of their understanding of what it takes. So when I interview a guy and he's in his early 20s and I could see that he, he or she might have potential to be great in our business, I feel like I got to really set, like, the first year is going to be rough. Like, I need to let them know that because otherwise they have this expectation that it's all great and everything's easy, and I just, I don't know, I, I find myself doing that a lot, and I think it's to your point of, you know, what are the expectations of people coming in? And I just felt like, I don't know, when when we started, I don't feel like that our expectation coming in was that we were going to be the top man on the totem pole. <laughs> no. We are coming in at the bottom, and we had to work our way up. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of an interesting dynamic. I don't know I don't know what that's all about. I actually about. like that philosophy. I might have to start taking that, take some lessons from you. What's that? It's going to be rough. rough. It's going to be rough. It is going to be rough. It's... <laughs> it's always rough. Yeah. It's rough after 20 years. You know, there's plenty of times it's It does get rough. easier, though, easier, as you yes. build up people to talk to and yeah. people call well, I think you, you take sometimes. rejection better. Yeah. I mean, when someone tells me no, I'm like, whatever. Okay. Next. Yeah. Next. I mean, what I tell people, and this is probably like I don't know, in the first 12 months, you know, we're training you. Like you're you're not really helping us that much in your you're first year. You're actually costing us money. Yeah, right. yeah, to some degree yeah. you are. So your first year, like you're being trained, but I'm going to pay you to train you. You know, and you know, I because I, that's really what it is. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. nobody really helps their business that much in the first six months while you're learning something new, especially because your phone's not ringing. You're trying to establish contacts and people to talk to. So it's just. I think that people don't view it as a self-employed entrepreneurial type business. I think when you just said, you know, well, you grow your business, I think that's the problem. I don't think people approach it as like, I'm starting this career that's about me growing my business. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm coming to work for Kim Nagy. I'm coming to work for Hall Financial. Yeah. They're already established. They're already, these businesses are already built. I'm just coming to plug in. Yeah. And that's not how it works, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> No, it doesn't, and they're forgetting. Plug it in. There's yeah. a power outlet doesn't work. <laughs> well, you find that magical plug, will you share it with yeah, me? Yeah, right. exactly. My so first broker told me it was going to take two years when you first start to get established for people to trust you, your right. friends, your family, to start getting referrals, and I felt like right after the two-year mark, mm -hmm. 
things started happening. Yeah. So it just hmm. takes time. Really is yeah. true. So are you are you hiring right now? Are you adding to your team or how, how are things going with your team overall? You you want to add some people or are you pretty much set where you are oh, today? Oh no, we're absolutely adding. So okay. for the right fit, we're yep. looking for someone that's willing to do the marathon race with us and not the five K. Absolutely yeah. we'd love to have them. I like that analogy. Are we talking about like yeah. buyers agents or listing Well, on our team, we don't really separate the buyers agents or sellers agents or listing agents. We actually, you're an agent. You're my partner. That's how I look at you. Mm-hmm. If you're coming to my team, you're a partner. So we have to be the right fit. That's same good. value, same um, work discipline because you're going to be growing with us. I know I'm talking a little bit about like, you know, sort of the past, but I'm just interested in like where you developed your philosophies. I mean, it seems like like when you're, you know, whenever I've had conversations with you, you have a very clear thought pattern of what you're doing, right? So you developed that somewhere. It sounds like some of it may have came come from your dad when you were young, but also probably throughout your business, you've probably had different people influence you in terms of how you think about what you're doing. I mean, just even the partner thing, you know, a lot of people don't say that. I'm curious where that came from, how you developed that. Well, a lot of it's your mentors, yep. who's in your life right now, your coaches. And I look at that. I have a couple of great mentors in my life, and I've had some great coaches that have changed Um, my career so now I've learned on hiring the right people and the wrong people and setting expectations Mm -hmm. on that part so I'm very clear what we need for our team Hmm. that's the right fit I'm not I have no desire to be 50 people on my team I like to keep it small we're family and so every day you're coming to work and you're gonna spend probably more time together than you do your family so it's important that we all like each other we get along and You're probably the same way. You don't believe like any I in a mm. team. There's yeah. we. <laughs> Chris and I, I need to do a little better at the getting <laughs> yeah, along the part. Get along part <laughs> I can see you guys really have a hard time getting along. <laughs> so, do you, do you take that same approach with clients? Are there just clients that are just not the right? Oh client? my gosh, yes. Like, I go to work every day because I love it, and not because I need to, because but I love my job. And if I don't like working with you, I'm not going to. You might get one of my partners, though. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Good. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. So is the forecast for the rest of the year, you think, like, you don't see anything changing, like, abruptly? I mean, sounds like that you're you're thinking that for the rest of 2019, sellers are in the driver's seat to some degree, right? Oh, I see it for 2019 and even into next year as well. Really? What are your thoughts? I mean, I think I feel the same. I guess the one thing that um, I always have in the back of my mind is I just feel like it's always hard to see the market more than 90 days out. I, I learned that as a young guy with my mentors is that, you know, 90 days from now, I think you can kind of tell what's going to happen. But there's so many things that can change within the economy or, you know, just news that we might get about what's happening, whether it be you know, news on tariffs or trade wars or things that can change interest rates and then Mm -hmm. potentially economic things, you know, domestically here that can change how people are feeling about how flush they are in terms of do I want to go out and make a big purchase or don't I? So, I mean, I totally agree with you. I just, I always kind of have it in my back pocket that I feel like here we are in June, you know, July, August, September, I can kind of see, but you know, what's the fall into the winter going to look like? If somebody asked me, I'd give the same answer you did, but it's always kind of a little doubt in the back of my mind as to, you know, what what's the news of the day going to be next week that we didn't expect? You know what I mean? No, that's great. I didn't think about it that way, but I'm looking at interest rates being so low. Oh, so yeah. I feel it's going to go into easily to the beginning of next year at that time. Yeah. And especially the shortage of homes right now. Yeah. Well, the interest rate thing is, I mean, you know, if somebody would ask me on January yeah, 1st, man. where are rates going to be in June? I'd have missed. You know, I mean, oh. I never thought rates Weren't were going to be at 5% like this year? Yeah. I mean, they, uh, yeah. everybody forecasted rates out, to yeah. go up. And so it's yeah. been a really 
it's been nice because we've been able to help people that are looking to refinance that, you know, bought a home last year that can now save some money um, as well as it's making it more attractive for people purchasing because they can either get a little bit more home or pay a little less than what they thought they were going to for the home that they got. So it's, it's been great. And I'm sure that, I mean, it changes the attitude, I think Mm -hmm. to some degree of the buyers because they're feeling good about what they're doing and they're not as on edge when rates are moving up a little bit, you know, they're, payment they're like eh, this is pushing my payment a little bit whereas when rates come down a little bit they there's a lot of confidence i think knowing that you're saving that 50 80 100 whatever it is that you thought you were going to spend oh i think so definitely on that part yeah. what do you yeah. forecast for like the next 90 days interest rates boy i, I stopped <laughs> forecasting rates a long time <laughs> ago you know i mean i tell everybody the same thing i always worry that they're going to go up so while they're great i tell people to lock in um, I never predict that rates are going to keep going down because I think that's a foolish game to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just I'm conservative in that way much more than I used to be because I just am always worried rates are going to go up. And I know that for the consumer, the pain of wow. I got to take a little higher rate versus how good it feels to get a lower rate. There's no comparison. Mm-hmm. Everybody, it bums them out when if it's an eighth or a quarter more. And they just, okay, it's great that it's an eighth better, but it's not, you know, so I just yeah, always. exactly. I, I, and, and, well, one thing we know is rates go up way faster than they ever go down, yeah. right? I mean, you can, you can inch and inch and inch and inch your way down over three, four weeks. And when they decide to go up, they're gone in a day. Yeah. You know, and it's like. Moves fast. It always goes up way faster than down. I think so. it's funny because when I got in the business 20 years ago, interest rates were 8%. And then they went down to 6 and people were. People were happy with eight oh, percent yeah. because they were eighteen just yep. a short time before that. Yeah, and now they're at four ish, and when they go up to five, people are gonna go crazy. Right, like oh my god, it's at five percent. It's still to me, it's still free money. Right. Oh my gosh, five percent. Well, they feel like free money is truly free money, but three percent right. to me under four is free. I mean, that's like cheap. My first house was almost nine percent. Yeah, nine percent. Yeah. My dad thought it was crazy. I was spending fifteen hundred dollars a month on a house payment. In the late 90s, which is kind of when I got in the business, I got in the business in the mid-90s, but in the late 90s, we started doing some business. Mm-hmm. We saw, you know, rates were like around seven, and then they kind of jumped up at eight and eight and a half, yep. eight and three quarters. Yep. We were still doing a lot of business. And then I can remember them kind of coming down just under seven at some point, like six and seven eighths. Right. We thought that was unbelievable. I'll never, because that was my introduction to the business. I'm like, we're at six and seven eighths. That's unbelievable. I yeah. can't believe how low that is. <laughs> And then, you know, over time now, we've kind of gotten used to this sort of in the fours kind of a thing. And then when it breaks four occasionally. But, I mean, I still think, you know, five, five and a half are great that's rates. Great. And yeah. that's the yeah. perspective of being in the business for a while like we have versus, you know, people that are newer in the business. They're going to flip out if rates ever touch five, you know, and that, that would yeah. be great historically. I mean, you were you were around, too. Yeah, we well, yeah. Because you're as old as I am. Almost. <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> well, Kim, listen, thank you so much for coming in this week and being thank on the show. Thank you for show. having me. It's a pleasure. insightful stuff. We're going to have to have you back. And we we gave you all the easy questions this week. But right. when we come you back, we really. Fire yeah. No, 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 no rapid fire. No rapid this fire. Week. That's yeah. what it is. Today. Yeah. Nicole, anything else you want to uh, kind of grill Kim on before we let her go today? I know she's got a busy no, day. You did a great job. Good. Heartless oh, thank you. you did a great job. Thank you. Yes, yeah. Heartless yeah. Yeah. So great to gain this <laughs> reputation on the air. It's my last podcast, yeah. Jess. Thanks a lot. You've been bubbly today. Have I been bubbly? Feeling good? Beaming. Yeah, compared to how What's that? That is good. You know, by the way, Jess, um, people may or may not know this, has gained a reputation 
um, as the sheriff with some of our um, media partners because she monitors how they're doing, and uh, they talk about her on the air. I'll, we'll talk more about that Love in the that. next show, yeah. So, Kim, um, and for folks that want to potentially reach out to you about maybe working uh, with you or for you or maybe listing or selling their house, what's the best way for them to either – email you or find a website or whatever you want to give out well actually i like talking to people i'm a big talker versus emailing so you can reach us at 248-508-1725 okay great chris great job this week thanks i think you really carried your water this week (laughs) that talk we had over the weekend seems to have worked uh Uh, nicole great (laughs) job thanks for having me yeah thank you guys pleasure spending the morning with you thank you absolutely all right and do we hit pause or stop beautiful That's it for this week with Kim Nagy. We'll talk to you next week.